Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of 2020. I'm very excited to share this one with you, but before we get going with that, I just have a couple quick announcements for you. The first one is that I finally opened up a Discord channel to share kind of my home base with you. I'm very excited about that and to celebrate that on the 9th, which is a Thursday, the day after this episode goes live, we're going to be doing a little social event in the Discord that I'm going to be calling Roulette League moving forward. Uh, If you want to know what that means, you'll just have to stop by and come join us for some good Rocket League games. It'll be a good opportunity just to hang out, meet some new people, get in some good Rocket League games, etc., etc. So come check that out. I would be happy to have you. If you can't make it on the 9th, uh, we'll be doing it more in the future. And of course, I'm always happy to have more people in the Discord. Another nice thing that I've started in the Discord is I'm going to be doing a weekly $5 Steam gift card giveaway for the best clip. So whether or not you can come on the 9th, come join us, throw in some clips, have a chat. We've already got a nice little group going and I would love to have more of you join us there. The second thing is I decided to start off this year by opening up a Patreon account for myself as well. I've really appreciated all of the support so far, just in the listeners and the comments. And if any of you out there feel so uh, obliged to uh, support me in that way as well, of course, I appreciate it. Nothing that I ever put out will have a paywall in front of it, uh, at least as far as the podcast, Chasing GC, and my YouTube, of course, will always be free. Uh, but I have been considering some other forms of content that I might offer up to Patreons in the future. So if that's something that you would be interested in, I would of course appreciate it, but it is by no means necessary. Those are just a couple quick things that I wanted to talk to you about. Again, thank you so much for all the support last year. Uh, The podcast got off to a great start and I've been enjoying it so much and I really look forward to a full year of Chasing Grand Champ and other amazing content that I would like to put out there for you. So without further ado, let's hop into the show. Thank you so much. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 22 of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. We are in 2020 just by a week, but we are here and it is going and I am excited to start off 2020 right with my guests. We've uh, briefly encountered each other a few times uh, in TeamSpeak of all things. It's the only reason I go to TeamSpeak. For some reason, all these guys still hang out in TeamSpeak all the time, but we don't need to get into that kind of a debate. Uh, But I've met him through Rocket League Central, of course, uh, the beginnings of professional and uh, competitive Rocket League in a big way. I'm not even sure how you ended up there. I would be happy for you to share a little bit of that story as well. And uh, as we always do, kind of your history of Rocket League. But before you do that, Omer, thank you so much uh, for joining me and uh, starting off 2020 with me. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. They say hello back. Uh, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got into Rocket League and, and maybe how you ended up about RLC and just your, your Rocket League history in general. Well, I got Rocket League the day it came out on PS4 because I happened to have someone over hanging out and we were trying to figure out what to play. 
and the description for Rocket League. It had been it was when it came out free on PlayStation Plus, and so I'm just like, oh, okay, well, it's a free game, and it says it's got couch co-op. Let's uh, download this. It looks stupid enough to kill an hour, and um, we killed the hour. <laughs> and I learned, oh, that was okay. You know, obviously, an hour into Rocket League, you don't know what's actually possible. You've just kind of driven around and hit the ball maybe a couple of times, and we played against bots and had a little bit of fun. But I was like, this is, you know, it's a game that'll kind of be there for when people are over and we want to play something. And I never thought of it again. I put it aside. And that would have been my story of Rocket League, except about a year later. Um, friends oh, from work, we had kind of become like, uh, not, not, not like gaming friends. We were friends in real life, but it's like when, you know, the winter hit, we were just like, let's just, we all have PS4s, let's play something like online when we're kind of chilling at home or whatever. And there were four of us in total. And the one game we had in common at the time was Rocket League. So we went in, had a blast. And that's where my next thousand hours went was playing chaos of all games, uh, game modes with friends. And that was where I started to realize how much fun the game is. Started to kind of look into, you know, who else I knew that played. Turns out I had some friends on PC that were better and I'm a little bit more on the competitive side. So I had distanced, not necessarily distanced myself, but I had surpassed my my friends that I had started with in skill and we were all just playing to play. So I was like, I'm also going to play with these guys on PC because, you know, they can hit aerials and things I can't do. And so moved over there. And that was about when I found out how much fun Rocket League is at a higher skill, pushed myself to be a little bit better at it, made a lot of friends in the community, just trying to find a group to play with consistently. Um, found a passion for it. This is now, you know, about a year and a half into Rocket League's uh, life. And I decided this game is fun enough that I want to build a local community. Like I want to have people, I'm from Chicago, born and raised, spent, you know, city that like lives in my heart forever. And so I was like, I, if I can find other people, you know, we have, uh, and things like that around, let's get some Rocket League going. Let's meet people. Let's meet up in person, hang out and play Rocket League kind of thing. Well, it turns out Deepence and Hanzo were light years ahead of me in handling all of these <laughs> things and had a scene going already. So um, I was in Lawler's stream who and he told me, hey, I should check in with them because I asked him. I was like, hey, you know, like, what do you think? Like, is there he, him from being from uh, Green Bay? I was like, OK, like you're close enough. You understand kind of this area. He put me in touch with Deepence, who told me about one of their tournaments I showed up for it with a friend. Um, we got stomped on, but had fun. We didn't <laughs> get stomped on. We lost. We lost a, a heartbreaker in overtime. Um, I believe I missed a save off the backboard, and I should have had, and that cost us the game in overtime. And mm. we got knocked out, but it was fun. And you know, during the like after we got knocked out, I hung around and kind of went up and and introduced myself to Deepens and Hanzo, and. We kind of played or like talked to them about like, you know, like me helping out if they ever needed it because I was interested in doing it. And they were like, well, you know, definitely come out. And just I hung around, played some like pickup games with some of the other people that were there and and really enjoyed the experience. And then like that was kind of the start. That's, you know, I was like, I have this desire to get into this more and more. Invited Deepence to play one day and he was playing with some of the people in in TeamSpeak. So you know, as as you made that joke, I had the same thoughts. I was like, "Team speak, yeah." <laughs> Team like, speak, what? 
I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I guess I don't have to do voice. And he and he was just kind of like, I mean, you might as well. We're all in here. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'll download it. <laughs> like, yeah. I was willing to walk away at that point. I was like, this seems like too much effort <laughs> for someone I don't know. You're telling me to, to download this ancient program? Like, what are you next going to tell me to install ICQ so we can keep in touch afterward? Like, <laughs> um, At but, least, uh, at least they're not you know, using, oh gosh, what was I going to say? What's, what's like a really old, oh, we used to do everything on Skype. Oh, like when man, the, even... when the scene was first developing, everybody was chatting on Skype. It was awful. Oh man, a guy, I'm old enough to go even further back than that with like Ventrio and Xfire and PalTalk and MSN Messenger. Oh <laughs> yeah, always... but I mean, Skype is just but... an awful program though. <laughs> I hear it's gotten better. I I will never give it another chance because why? I don't have a need to anymore, but I've heard it's gotten better. As as somebody that has to use it every day for work, it has not gotten any better. And uh, fortunately, this is not a mobile communications chat podcast, so we can leave that alone. Uh, but the first question that I want to ask you is going way back to the beginning of your story when you said that you played a thousand hours of chaos <laughs> there were it was me and three friends there were four of us so we like why would we play against each other in a private lobby in twos when we could go online and play together there's a mode for four people like we didn't know any better we didn't care about <laughs> ranked or this or that so yeah there were <laughs> four of us and we queued into or into chaos every night <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a good game of chaos, and I always suggest it with the guys that I play with on a consistent basis, especially when there's like only three, well, usually when there's three of us, we're going to play standard because, you know, we're not heathens. But when there's four of us, I'm like, hey, why don't we try playing some chaos? And then we'll try, especially now, I think the last couple of times that we've tried, we'll be like, okay, let's queue. And then it takes five, six minutes, nothing happens. And then we just move on from the dream of playing chaos and then start taking over a threes lobby because eventually other friends will join us. But it seems very difficult to queue into chaos these days. I don't know I if think... you've tried recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's probably one night a month we end up playing chaos for a little bit. So I think... I think there's two things that, you know, happen in that, right? Like now we've played enough hours. Most people that are, you know, a thousand hours, let's say even 500 hours into the game, their casual MMR has jumped high enough that there's fewer and fewer people available. But remember when That's the game first came out, yeah, a lot of people didn't know how to aerial. Like a lot of people like, could just drive around and hit the ball, maybe hit the ball. And that was fun enough for them. And if I... If I remember correctly, the game did just default into selecting all of the playlists. It didn't. You had to manually go and oh, uncheck hmm. some of them, if I remember correctly. And so it's like when you have four of them, it you know, that's the only playlist that in your party, that's the only playlist that's activated. And we would just search. And I don't think we mind. We care too much if we had to wait a minute or two to get into a game because we were sure. just like texting or grabbing drinks or whatever in the meantime. But it yeah. was just a fun way for us to play. We didn't, we all were having fun working together and trash talking each other for missing open nets. All the things that don't change, no matter how good you think you've gotten at the game, (laughs) but you know, we were doing it completely lighthearted. There was, there was absolutely no, you know, frustration or tension because we didn't expect anything. Like the idea of 
jumping and hitting the ball was impressive. Not forget, you know, all the fancy flip resets and things that everyone's doing nowadays. Like, yeah, now it's just par for the course. Yeah. And this is also back in the day. This is like probably around the time that like half flipping started to become uh, something people talked about, like doing at a higher level. Right. <laughs> like, uh-huh. So we it was were still theoretical on a consistent basis. Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised that we were able to do it. A lot of people, a lot of people think, um, I think a lot of people bad mouth, not bad mouth, but a lot of people hate the idea because they're just like, Oh, there's never enough boost. There's never enough space on the field, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I, I really do feel like those are things we, those are habits we've learned by playing the game for significantly more, uh, you know, hours in the other modes. When we started, mm-hmm. we didn't know how much space you had with twos. And when we played twos, it was a horrible experience because we would miss the ball and would roll five, you know, five, six miles an hour into our net because <laughs> we didn't have boost and we didn't know how to like uh, diagonal dodge to, you know, pick up our speed and all the little things that you learn along the way. And so it, it was a lot, it was a lot less stressful having, you know, four of us on the field together. And so, yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't, I, it sounds weird to say it now, but it's like when you think about it in that way, when we were just starting and we were on every night, we'd all come home from work at about the same time and we'd hop on and play. It makes perfect sense. It's, you know, much in the way like you would do it with like Call of Duty. For mm-hmm. if you have six fr- or five friends in yourself, you'd hop on and, you know, queue into Team Deathmatch with six people. Right. And it's just standard fare. Mm hmm. Yeah. When you when I mean, you don't know until, you know, like you don't have the obvious way to go about things until you have the the formulation of what is the standard, which became standard. Well, and of course, there are tons of people that play twos primarily as well. Um, But I want to I want to ask you this, because you also said, like, as you continue to play the game more, you began to uh, progress beyond those friends. So what were you seeing in your own game uh, that you weren't necessarily seeing in theirs? I come from a background of sports, like football, baseball primarily, but I have played enough basketball, coached like at summer camps and things like that, that like the, I don't want to call it strategy, but the like game sense, right? Mental uh, understanding like of spacing of, uh, of ball movement and like visualizing plays is just something that's been ingrained in my head since I was a little kid. Cause I've just always played sports. And so I, this is, you know, way back in the preseason and season one before RLCS one even like was a thing I was in my head. I loved the idea of passing. I loved the idea of moving the ball around. I thought of it, I didn't like everybody was like, it's car soccer, but I always equated it to hockey with the way the ball could move side to side and you could bounce it off the, off the wall to create, Mm -hmm. you know, new angles and things like that. Sure. And so my competitive fire was just not, I didn't like losing. And back in the day, it showed you your MMR gained and lost with wins and losses. Right. And so, um, I didn't, I didn't like losing and I didn't like losing because we like I, I'm OK getting beat by somebody that's better than me. If I know you're better than me and, or, and you outplay me and you hand me my ass, I'll just kind of, you know, I'll accept it because there's, I, I deserve it at that point. I hate beating myself. I hate when me or we as a team make mistakes that cost us games. And 
even at that, you know, tender young, like 100 to 200, 300 hour range, double commits would frustrate me because I, I likened it to two people running after the same basketball, you know, on the court and on offense and running into each other and losing the ball. Right. And it's just yeah. like, or losing the puck in hockey or, you know, and so it was just kind of like that. That was mostly the norm because my friends played while drinking and they were playing very simply to play the game and just kill some time. And I was playing mm-hmm. to have fun with them, but also to win. And so they're just, I could tell there was a whole level of the game that I didn't, I couldn't reach and not necessarily, but what that I was being held back by them, but just that it like we would, our place or our, the way I was playing was clashing with them and it was causing me to be frustrated. And if there's mm-hmm. one thing I tell people over and over, it's a game. Like if you're getting that frustrated over a game, it's probably not worth playing the game. Right. And so um, I figured I have these friends on PC that are, Oh, you know, they were just as long. Like, it's not like one were uh, one group was like, I was ditching one group of friends for another. These guys were just on at a different time. So I was able to hop in and play with them. And they were, they were better. They were hitting aerials and things like that. And so it was fun to come play and go from being the best person in the group back to being significantly below everybody else in the group that I was playing with and having to learn and, and see what they were doing and trying to match them. And that pushed me to get better for a while. Um, and this is the old rank system. And I think I started with them the first season I got up to golds. Or would it have been, I think? Or was it gold? Gold three? Gold? I don't know. Gold elite? I'm they had trying a fourth, to remember. They had a fourth I... tier, if I remember correctly, before you like moved on to the star ranks. Or maybe I'm just making that up. Um, but yeah, I got I'm, up to like. I'm trying that to remember. Rank. There were there was four. You're right. Yeah, because yeah, I think had, it was like gold one, two, three, and then elite, right? Yeah, or something like that. Challenger one, two, three, and then elite, and then Challenger rising star, shooting, yeah. shooting star, all star, superstar. Yeah, and so the first season I was sitting at at yeah Challenger. It wasn't gold at the time. It was Challenger. I got to Challenger Elite, and then the next season I got into Rising Star. I think was it? Would you say it was Rising Star, Shooting Star, or? Rising no, star, shooting star, star, all star, all star. I got into shooting star, I think. And that was like the season three uh, rebalance where everybody shot up. Mm-hmm. And that's around when I got, I think either that season or the season after I got close to champ and then eventually hit champ. And that's pretty much where I've been for most of the rest of my Rocket League career. And because the the drive kind of died to get better, to get significantly better at the game. Mm-hmm. And if, if for those of you that are sports fans listening, you know, there's a, there's a saying, those that can't play coach, right? There's a joke about that, that, you know, mm-hmm. coaches were, coaches usually aren't the best players because they, they just saw the game a different way. They couldn't execute it. They moved to diagramming the plays and getting people in our positions. And that kind of became me with Rocket League. Like I was, I realized that, I'm never going to keep up at the pace everyone else plays. It gets better at. I'm not going to put in the time that most of them are able to put in. I'm working a full-time job. I was at the time starting grad school as well. So I had a lot going on in life. And so I moved on. I joined a coaching discord to try to help teach people um, 
that were like trying to get up out of the the into like the rising star and like trying to move up from those ranks. And I doubled down and helped out Pants and Han D Pants and Hanzo whenever I could for the events they were doing. And at that point, it became kind of secondary. I was playing to play with friends again and not worried about if I was good or not. Like I still got mad when I missed shots, but I no longer cared necessarily about being in ranked or ranking up or anything like that mm-hmm. now you know it, it it was a lot of it was a lot of relief in a way that i was like back to having fun because i had burned out hard on rocket league after a while i'd mm. worked to when get would better. you say that was like the burnout the burnout was oof uh probably around season five or season six okay and then I, I kind of got, uh, started hanging out at that point. I was hanging out with the, with the RLC boys a little bit more, um, just talking. And so whenever they were playing, I would also, you know, hop in and play with them. And it was kind of the same mindset of with them, which is we're all friends. We're just playing. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We don't remember who wins. We don't remember who loses. Like we're just having fun. And sure. A lot of times, you know, we'd be watching RLCS and playing or something to that effect. And that became, almost i don't want you know i don't want to call it therapeutic but it was it was very relaxing it was very much um just uh uh back to being a way for me to unwind after work or after whatever i was doing and so i spent a fair bit of time there just kind of hanging out with people that were also just looking to make nutty plays for fun and if we miss, we'd all just laugh about it and move on kind of thing. So it got me mm-hmm. back into the game. But I've also gotten the opportunity to to help run uh, some events. I've done, you know, uh, lately I've been, lately I say it like I'm doing this consistently, but uh, I helped out with DreamHack with CJ, uh, who's, you know, kind of known for a lot of the people that have competed and tried to go to DreamHack and other events. He is, he's one of the guys who, I uh, helped do RL Texas and or Texas RL. I, I don't remember which way the name is. I might have gotten that wrong, but now he is doing the DreamHack events when they happen. And so I and I helped out Matt City do Rocket League events. And so it's been it's been fun. Uh, Gamers for Giving I did one year for Rocket League as well. And it's been really fun giving helping build the community that I was kind of to be blunt, kind of sick of for a while. <laughs> like it just. Yeah it felt no different than playing like call of duty for a little bit for me. And so I let it go and then came back to it. And I've been happy to do so ever since met a lot of good people, a lot of fun people, and hopefully put a lot of smile on people's faces. Yeah. So where would you say you are with rocket league now? Like, do you enjoy it consistently? Like I, you know, the other day we played at least like an hour and a half, couple hours together. We were just, Playing and playing and playing, like so. Would you say that's a consistent thing for you, or what? What is your relationship with Rocket League like right now? I think it's yeah, it's definitely. I can play an hour or two a day easily, um, as long as anybody is on and wants to play. I'm usually if I'm available, I'm down to play. Or solo queuing, I can probably last three games. Like it just, <laughs> it's just not in me to do it. It's just. I can, I, the, the competitive nature, you know, fire starts kicking in. And the first time I get upset with a teammate for missing something, I'm like, I go right back to it, right? Like, it's like, if it's frustrating, don't do it. It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. So 
I'll drop off and wait for somebody to hop on and then we'll just play casuals or play rank, whatever we're doing, we'll do. And so I can put in anywhere. I can put in an hour with some friends. I can put in three, four five hours. If friends are playing that long, it just mm-hmm. comes down to what people are doing. But when you're solo queuing, if somebody like messes up or you get a little displeased with somebody, that's when you kind of, uh, say no. I, yeah, it, it's a team game, especially if I'm queuing threes, it's a team game. And if I can't trust my teammates, then they should like, I shouldn't be on a team with them. And since I can't choose my teammates, it's just better to not queue. And I don't know. I think that's something that I, I feel a lot. It holds a lot of people back where they, they don't trust their teammates. And so they throw themselves at a ball. They didn't have a good angle at, or they cut a rotation or, they, you know, miss an easy pass opportunity because they're like, they don't just, they, they think they have to make it happen or they double commit on a save or they make a poor clear. Like there's all these little things where if you watch the pros play and I've been blessed to, you know, have the time to watch a lot of RLCS to talk to a lot of players, to talk to some of the coaches, to talk to some of the, the analysts on like a very personal level. I've known a lot of them for, for years now. And that it's, it is, so crazy to me how every almost every hit they make has a purpose right even if it's them Mm. challenging Mm -hmm. they challenge at an angle very specific to what they're trying to accomplish and then you go into ranked and especially you know in the high diamonds and the low champs and even you know mid and high champ two champ three area people throw themselves at the ball and it doesn't Maybe they do have a plan. Maybe they just didn't execute their plan. But it's sometimes hard to see the plan or their their end goal for what they were trying to accomplish with the way they positioned themselves, with the way they you know moved at the ball. And so, I I grow frustrated with that, and I think a lot of people do. I don't think that's you know I think it's kind of one of those things where if somebody does something that you didn't think they should do or messes up something that you think they shouldn't have, it's very easy to criticize. And I, I understand why that's not a good thing. People have bad games. People make mistakes. People may not be playing the game in the same, um, with the same like, uh, play style as you and those are you know little variations like that sometimes they just don't mesh and in a five minute game <laughs> that you're queuing into there's there's a very high probability that not everything is going to go the exact way you're envisioning it and so i think that is it's, always the case yeah and it's just so it's just like one of those where i try the the it took me a while but one of the biggest things i worked on was making sure to not get mad at people for mechanical mistakes if somebody was going to go for an aerial and they feels flipped and the ball went past them and into the net, I try not to get mad, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that that happened, but you can tell the person wasn't intending to feel slip, right? They weren't intending to to have that happen to them. So getting frustrated with them at that, like it's just, it's not, it's not productive in the least. Now, if they're going to cut rotations repeatedly, then it's, it's, a little bit more, you know, I, I understand where people get frustrated with that and things like that. Yeah. So what did you, did, what did you call it? I thought I heard a, like a fuel slip or something like that. Feels flip. So there's the feels like anytime you go oh, for feels flip. Yeah. A feel slip, like feels backflip, man. And yeah, for all the I thought you were that. saying a fuel slip 
in reference no, to Cloud9? No, I was no. like, oh, wow. He has his own thing. But okay, Fuel's Flip. I gotcha. Okay. I, let me say this. I have heard Cloud Fuel can hit double taps off the backboard. So, you know, I will not talk down about that man's skill. Um, no, I, I think uh, he, he's gotten to be quite the player himself over the years. Uh, I, he, I hear he I hear he's gotten so good that he now challenges himself by playing keyboard and mouse on a oh, laptop wow. in bed. So, if, you know, if he weren't avoiding me to be on this show, then uh, he could actually talk to me about that himself. But he is in evasion mode. I'm calling you uh, out, he, Cloud. <laughs> uh, Cloud is definitely uh, a busy, busy man. And so. I I think I think maybe maybe he should uh, make some time to be on here because you know otherwise I will then have to stop defending him and accept that he is definitely you know most definitely avoiding you and there's there's only so many excuses a man can make for another right man. right so, I mean come on give me one hour that's so, all I'm asking so, so there's my half-hearted defense for you Cloud you're on your own now <laughs> but this podcast isn't about cloud anymore so tell me real quick um what are like the highest ranks that you've been at most recent do you do you play ranked on a consistent basis not at all i'm playing enough okay. to get rewards or if somebody yeah. i want to play with only plays ranked then i'll wind up in there i've been i think i've been 1450 or 1460 so like mid champ three at some point but i pretty much live in champ one, maybe low champ two, just around there. I've, I'd say maybe six to eight seasons straight. I've been somewhere in those ranks. So, okay. That is, that is very comfortably my home. (laughs) Yeah. But you, I mean, you've dabbled in champ two and champ three. It's not that you're solidly champ one. Cause I would certainly say that the, if I, I guess what do you, where do you think you would end up if you were to put in, you know, a week or two of really grinding ranked, if if you had to put yourself somewhere, where do you think that you could feasibly land? Um, if I played with the right people, like people that fit my play style and like all perfect scenarios like that, I think I could get to C3, maybe even very low GC. I think I can read the game at a fast enough level, at a good enough level. I am mechanically completely incompetent my goal is to become probably the first rocket league player to reach gc that can't half flip so Hmm. um that is i the mental side i think i understand um when i'm focused i think i can i can handle that it's it's a lot of mechanics that i struggle with because i don't put in time on mechanics like i said rocket league is a game to me and i probably have spent um you know, I'd probably go into free play for a couple of minutes while everybody's getting on when we're playing before we start queuing. And that's the extent of the the, the free play that I do. I mm-hmm. I think I may have done two levels of the dribble training course. <laughs> um, right. I think the first one you drive straight and the second one you drive straight longer. And I think I gave up after that because the third one required turning and I joined or whatever game we were queuing for queued up. And so that was it. And I never went back. So I think if I put in the work, I could probably get to GC, but putting in the work is very low on the priority list. Fair enough. So tell me about uh, where your game stands right now, because I will I will say for those listening at home, like, uh, you know, 
you sound very apathetic about at least improving and, you know, putting uh, considerable effort into the game. But whenever we do end up in games together, I'm always very impressed with how you play. Like your positioning is very good. Uh, I feel like your decision making is excellent. Like uh, you are a very dependable teammate. So I always feel very comfortable and good about having you on my team uh, you know, whether we're in a lobby and there's four or five of us or, you know, just like this past weekend uh, when we were queuing with Hunted, uh, shout out to past guest Hunted. I felt very comfortable and enjoyed having you guys as teammates. I never felt as if I was being held back or that, you know, you were slow to anything or anything like that. So uh, that being said, um, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your own perspective on your game. You know, uh, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Uh, what are the things that you notice uh, that like if you were to put time in the, into the game, like where you would want to kind of focus your efforts on first? Um, well, first of all, appreciate the, the, the kind words. Um, I'd like to be I'd like to think that's ultimately my goal when I play with friends is to be a good teammate to them, create for them. Um, in basketball, I played point guard and, and football. I was the reliable wide receiver that, you know, quarterback would throw at whenever he wasn't sure what to do with the ball. And so I like to be, I like to think that I'm accomplishing that goal when people say those nice things about me. Um, I think game sense is my strength. I, I, I think I'm pretty good, especially at, in the, in like the lower to mid champ ranks of reading the game of knowing. Uh, of scouting scouting is the easiest way to put it of figuring out what the you know opponents can and can't do within uh, within the first couple minutes of the game and being able to put the car in the right spot and then finding space creating space for teammates whether it's um playing the ball along the wall moving it into the middle with a pass or clearing it directly into transitional offense like whatever i like to just get the ball into the space where my team can win it or do something with it and that is probably my calling card. I think most people that play with me, that is what they will compliment or, or what, you know, the one, the one nice thing they'll say at the end of it is that I maybe you know, I may be called a cherry picker or other things, but a lot of what I do is to, to spread the field. And that is, um, you know, that is where my calling card is because everything else I'm trash at. I, I need to be, you know, if I put in effort, I would work on being more consistent at hitting aerials. I actually try to learn to to dribble and to do any level of mechanical work, you know, wave dash, half flip, um, properly fast aerial, all that stuff that, that you know, you, you, you can learn if you, you try to. I, I would probably have to do all those things. And I would definitely need a lot of work on on shooting particularly when the net is wide open i think that is the the biggest challenge in the world um i don't know that's, how that's just the bane of rocket league though uh, for every I swear person. i i mean i i'm calling cyanix out i need them to admit it i think the goal moves and it just they just you just can't see it because it moves so quickly it's like it's like, you know, a magic trick. Like they they use misdirection. And I think the boost is the same thing, particularly corner boost. I swear that corner boost, it is, it's moving three to four feet every hundredth of a second. And so 
sometimes you swear you drove over it, but no, it wasn't there. You know, the hand is hand is definitely quicker than the eye kind of thing. Um, I want I want to expose them for that because I think that needs to go away. I think a lot of us would would find more satisfaction in the game if if the goal stayed, at, you know, at the same X and Y coordinates every time we we played the game. That would be really huge. Or you may, maybe that, if it were just like twice as large, you know, make it a little bigger so it's easier to shoot on. Then again, if it were bigger, then we'd just miss it anyways. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think I, I can identify where the goal is, but I can't identify where it's going to be when I'm shooting. So I don't know if <laughs> size would would necessarily solve that problem, right? So for me personally, I think it just has to stop moving. Um, you know, that, that's that's probably the biggest thing. I think I think we need something that isn't, you know, a, a ceiling because I'm, I'm, I don't understand how like my brain can't comprehend that, that I can, I, I can't just fly off into, into nothingness and just leave, you know, go into low earth orbit or something. Get me like, out of here. Just, you, you know, used to and, be able it, to do that though. I, I swear it comes out of nowhere too. Like it's, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm flying up there and like, and suddenly there it is. Right. Like, and it's just like, whoa, um, what happened? And and there I am tumbling back down. Um, I think 200 boosts would help. Right. Like I think or at least 150, I won't be greedy when one, one forty. I won't even be that greedy. 140 would be a lot nicer to have, but no, do I you think... remember, do you remember when utopia didn't really have a shell around it? Was that, when Utopia came out, it didn't really have like the the dome around it. I feel like, but it was still there. Um, Do you remember that, or am I making that up? I, I I'm not saying you're making it up. I just definitely don't remember. I have the memory of a goldfish. I remember. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I remember that map drove me crazy because everything just felt so bright. I prefer. I do remember that. I preferred urban. Uh, Central. It was the it was the first salty shore. Yeah, Urban Central, and then of course Manfield Knight is the greatest stadium ever made. Nothing will ever compare. And give me back Neo Tokyo mm. with the ledges. You know, I would kill to have non-standard maps back because it's. I liked the challenge. I actually, I'm probably one of the very few people that, maybe not the very few, but I'm one of the the minority that liked the original Wasteland, um, with the, with, with the, the gently slope. sloping. Yeah, and it. I, I guess, and I get that some people like thought it had bugs and this and that. I don't know. I I feel like even to this day, even though they probably have ironed out all the bugs in the maps, people still swear that the game there, there's crazy bounces and unexpected bounces happening all over the place. So you know, I, well, who knows? <laughs> Lethemir just tweeted out a, a two or three days ago from the time of us recording this, which is the day after Christmas, about how he thought it would be interesting for the game if they reintroduced non-standard maps and had a pick ban phase. So you're not the only one. There was there was a little bit of a collection of people that thought that was interesting. So there's there's some talk out there of that being, you know, of of interest to spice up the game a little bit. Yeah. And I think that talk has been there a lot. I think personally my opinion is is the problem was never with uh, non-standard maps. I think the problem was that non-standard maps just showed up and ranked, which meant that mm-hmm. if you didn't understand how to play it, particularly something like Neo Tokyo, where right. at the middle and lower lane- ranks, jumping up onto a ledge was the most complicated thing in the world. I-, I-, I swear people didn't realize you could just hit double jump and land 
right on top of that ledge, right? Like people would try mm-hmm. to dodge or jump and boost up there and like clip the edge and have problems. And it was unranked. And so it's like, you're already dealing with the, you know, the, fr- the frustration of, or the stress of, uh, of worrying about like not making a mistake to lose. And a lot of people are frustrated at how their teammate may or may not be playing. And then you throw in this extra variable of, you know, things like that, or the higher ceiling that people weren't used to, or the corners that just felt like they were, you know, significantly closer than in a standard map. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what tainted the opinion towards the negative. And so it, it, it was unfortunate. I, I get the need for standard maps for the kind of proliferation of the pro scene to have like just the muscle memory for players to become or to, to push the skill ceiling. Uh, but I think, yeah, pick band phase with like with significantly different map styles that that's that would be. It'd be interesting. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, the one pro, one fear I would have is that there isn't any true like um, skill like uh, there like so in CS go or in like you know in in league they're they're either characters in in league's case the champions or you know in like CSGO's case the maps tilts uh, depending on like you know they have different characteristics that teams can can exploit with different skills. So like there's a map that's better for your opera than there is for, you know, Mm. somebody that, you know, a team that's going to play with a different gun set or hold a different angle, or if they have one person like wandering or whatever they're doing, um, you can, you can cater that more. Uh, So far the Rocket League pro scene, the pros, like, you know, even all the way down to the bubble players have proven to be excellent at all facets of the game. There's very few players that are, at the professional level and are not able to at least, you know, uh, do 90, 95% of the things as, you know, kind of the top tier pros, maybe they lack some consistency or maybe, you know, the pressure of the moment or other things kind of, you know, weigh on them more, but in a vacuum in free play, for instance, I think they can all kind of do the same things. And so, Mm -hmm. How would a different like what you'd have to have some very unique map styles to create positional expertise, you know, and yeah, and create that kind of need to like choose one or the other, because otherwise I feel like a lot of the teams would eventually settle into the same two or three maps as their favorite. And right. And I think you see that in a lot of cases with like CSGO where there's a couple of maps that pretty much always wind up being played uh, and, you know, and it's just, it is they're they're ubiquitous in their nature because everybody has, has learned them, has learned the call allows, has learned all the little strategies and nooks and crannies and where they can boost somebody. And so I would love to see more than non-standards be put back in the game. I would love to see a modified field size. I would love to see a wider field and a longer field be tested. And then one that is both. Um, not just because I want to go back and play chaos and not be considered weird for it, but because <laughs> I think it would certainly change the game. It would change the game. And I think, I think there needs to be, it's very hard once you get up to a certain rank to punish a mistake, right? Like against a competent team that's communicating it's unless they commit themselves to an offensive play and you know and the ball trickles out or something happens that allows it to get boomed the other way it's very hard to punish a team that like takes a shot at a poor angle or 
or makes, you know, like in, in rank, how many times do you see your teammate take an ill-advised like shot that they just kind of float at the opponent's nest, the net and the opponent has three goalies in there so they can just boom the ball, right? Right. You don't mm-hmm. see that happen at the highest level, but even if it did, it wouldn't necessarily get punished. Like, in, right. And it would, I think, in Cuxer may have said this many, many seasons ago, and, and I always agreed with it. Um, it's, it is really that it's just, I would love to see a situation where, um, sustained pressure is like breaking out of sustained pressure is becoming more and more, um, uh, uh, like, uh, a case of kind of luck of the draw. Like you're going to go and you're expecting to get into a 50 and you're hoping the 50 goes your way, but I would love that you know, in, in soccer and like traditional soccer football, if you're in Europe or anywhere else in the world, um, there, there is just the booming clear. There is when the ball is in, in your, in your 18 yard box and you know, your, your defender gets to it, your center back gets to it. They just clear it anywhere and put it away to the side and kind of reset. Right. And there isn't kind of that necessarily in rocket league with the, the field size, the way it is, you're almost always, if you have a mechanical skill, you can almost always clear it towards a teammate. There's very few like panic clears. Um, that I think having a wider field where, where the you know the, there's a way for the offense to then control tempo and and hold pressure longer may create more set plays. Mm, sure. And and by set plays, I don't mean like a set piece in soccer. I just mean just more of a, an actual pre-planned, we're going to move in our positions this way and do this very specific thing. Like I'm going to put the ball specifically at the top of the box when you're coming in and you're going to go hit it and kind of like very diagram movements, almost like basketball plays or hockey plays compared to like the free-flowing soccer um techniques or you know just kind of like the general concept being kind of applied i would love to see that it's it's interesting that you bring that up because uh do you do you watch much rocket league youtube stuff uh from time to time i'll like click links that people send me but i never necessarily go seek it out yeah so rizzo is uh going through his second road to grand champ series uh i don't know if you've I know you've listened to a couple of the past episodes, but uh, this is something that I talk about a lot on this show whenever he starts putting these out. And even when he's not putting them out, I think they're amazing references for anybody that's wanting to rank up or, you know, understand the game better. Uh, I'm, I'm just so impressed with how well he can talk about the game. Um, but one in a video that he released Today or yesterday, it was Diamond Games. And one thing that he was doing that you know, I try to do sometimes, and I, I would like to think that I'm purposeful about it, but I, des- I, I may not know how to necessarily execute it as effectively as I can. Uh, he was talking about, you know, if he was upfield and the opponents were moving their way you know, towards his side and he was in midfield, but his team, both his teammates were already back. He would say, I'm going to stay here in midfield because if the ball comes out, then I will be able to do something about it unless 
XYZ happens. And then, you know, sometimes they might get a touch to the midfield, but not necessarily to him. And then he'd rotate back or somebody would miss a touch. And then he'd be like, okay, now I have to go back because this guy missed and now it's my turn to come around. So he wouldn't necessarily commit himself to coming all the way back every single time so that he could be that outlet, just like what you were speaking about a moment ago. And and I've never really thought about you know, how to effectively do that. Because in in the pro scene, you know, I, I, I even go back to uh, the last play of the RLCS grand finals in game seven in overtime, you know, Justin challenged Fairy Peak there, maybe just uh, a little short of the right side corner on the NRG side and missed. The ball goes into the corner. Garrett G comes out and, you know, puts a big clear down to the you know right midfield part of the field and Justin is there for that clear you know that clear pass it's a little bit of both and then they score that goal because it instantly turned into a counterattack um, which again you know I feel like the pros have down pat in terms of how to handle themselves if they miss or if they see a clear opportunity coming and that might not necessarily be the case in terms of diamond play or platinum play or champ play that can be executed even on a smaller field like the one that we play with every day. I think, yeah, I think that is one of the most basic... I get called a cherry picker a lot. I have a lot of people that get upset at me or they kind of resign themselves and say that, oh, I could never get that clear out to you because I do tend to hang closer to midfield. But I think... It is a little bit short-sighted when people kind of just decide that that's not good positioning because, yeah, you don't need three people in net. The more time you have somebody sitting flat-footed on the uh, on the goal line, the more space you're giving up to your opponents. Space is valuable. The more boost you're losing to them, boost is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the less of an angle you're taking away. Having two people sit on the goal line against one shot, especially if the shot is a basic one, it makes it it makes it very difficult right because even if you if even if somebody goes and gets the save where you know where are they putting the ball if all three of you are along the back wall or along the goal line you know where the clear is just going to give away possession now you have three people fighting for at best two boosts you know and while also having to worry about another shot being put on the net um i think you know pushing out into having somebody sitting further out outside of the goalie box you know closer to like the midfield area that person can now take a mid boost, which leaves the two back corner boosts for each of your teammates. In a perfect scenario, your teammates would be able to grab them. Now all three of you have boost. By taking away the mid boost, when the, when the opposition, you know, once they take the shot, once they make their play, they now have to rotate all the way back to their corner to pick up boost. So now you've bought yourself space. By having somewhere for your teammate to clear the ball, it relieves the pressure. They don't have to make a perfect clear and put it in the exact one spot that nobody on, you know, no opponent can hit it. They have to put it in your general area and it's your job to get it and make the next play, to make the next touch, to put it in to a safer place. And so it relieves that pressure. And if they make a good, you know, if they make an amazing clear and you can turn around and put a shot on net, chances are the defense hasn't rotated back. The opponent hasn't rotated back to score. So Mm -hmm. free goal. If, but the other thing is, is the defense is going to be scrambling. And if they see, you know, if you can see that and you can pick up a spot in the middle of the field or on the opposite side of the field, that your teammate can get to or is at already and you put a ball out there, 
the hardest thing to do is to cover laterally. And this is true in pretty much every game, right? Like in basketball, the crossover dribble, like an effective crossover crossover dribble does exactly that. You, you get your defender's momentum going one way and then you switch back the other way and you use, you know, the time, time and space that you created with that move for a burst of energy to get around them. And you've made the space to make a play. Rocket League, same thing. If yeah. all of your opposition is facing to your right and you play the ball past, you know, like to the opposite side of the field to the, to your left, they have to actually turn their cars. Now, whether that's doing a wide turn or doing a half flip and using the boost to get up to speed and, you know, like in the moment trying to regain their, their sense of positioning of where they're at, where their teammates at, who's going for the ball. Like there's just momentary confusion and you can exploit that. And I think that's something, you know, we see kind of like, it's hard to do with three people, but I think it's definitely lacking in diamond, which is understandable, but I think it's lacking all the way up into champ three, maybe even low GC. There's a lot of people can do crazy mechanical things, but if they get a one-on-one opportunity, they don't realize that it actually was a two-on-one, right? Like where they could have just held the ball in their dribble, gotten the goalie to commit to a single angle or to come out and challenge them and just left the ball for their teammate to score on an open net. Instead, they go for, you know, a, a, a complicated flick move or they try to do something like nutty, like leave the, drop the ball behind them and go for the demo or go for a double tap off the wall. And it's just not necessary. Like, Simple is more effective in a lot of cases. And I think having spacing and what Rizzo is talking about is really spacing. It's about creating, you know, all of that, like taking up some space in the midfield, laying claim to it so that it's your team's space. It's, it's just something that's not front and center in people's minds. And a lot of it, I think is because if you're solo queuing, you're not expecting, you know, somebody else to necessarily be on the same wavelength as you. And so we we those of us at a lower rank have a lot to learn in that regard and seeing that is is important because boy is it easy to transition from defense to offense at least to have boost even if you don't get a shot off even if you don't have sustained offense at the other end you know it's to go back to you know hockey as i keep going back to it's a line change it's the ability to get your tired players off the field or, you know, in, in Rocket League's case, get boost, get your know, entire players in hockey off of the ice by getting the puck to the other side of the field where your goal is not under threat. And in Rocket League, get the ball out past midfield so you guys can grab pennies or the, the full boost or whatever it takes so that you are in, you have better resource management, you know, you're a better situation for the next play. And I think it's just, I think the quicker people realize little things like that, the quicker they'll find themselves ranking up and feeling faster without actually physically being faster in their car, um, positioning your teammates to succeed, right? You don't have to necessarily give them a perfect pass, but you know, give them a pass that's good enough for them to do something with. If you're trying to receive a pass, I see this so often people that want to pass, like they think that the only way to get a pass is for it to bounce like around the corner and roll and drop in front of the net. And so they go sit like as close to the net as they can, but now they're too close to the defense. So I have nowhere to pass the ball to like, who am I? Like, I I can't put it in a place where you can guaranteed win it, you know? And so it's like, well, now I can't pass you. You've taken yourself out of the play or they get so worried about like, Oh, my teammates going to lose a 50, 50 and I need to be there. So they drive right on their teammates, butt. 
the teammate loses, you know, gets into a 50-50 and the ball trickles right by you because you're too close to your teammate. And it's like, how many times have we seen that situation play out? And so it's, it's understanding spacing. It's part of rotation, but I don't think it gets enough mention as a standalone topic. I think rotation can be broken down to a lot of things, and I think spacing is one of them. Properly spacing the field and giving being in sight of your teammate in a way where like they don't have to go take their eye off of everything else to figure out where you are, I think are huge things in diamond and low champ and even in high champ that I think people could jump up a rank if they did at least a rank because you find weaknesses and you can exploit weaknesses. If you look for those opportunities, the pros do it. If you slow down and watch the games, they do it. And, and it's, and it's easy to say, oh, well, they're pros. That's why they're pros. But, I mean, yeah, that's why they're pros. If you're as mechanically good as them, then you could be there too. Like, learn it now while you're while you're you don't have you don't have bad habits to break. <laughs> so <clears throat> there was there was so much goodness there. Um, I really appreciate you going on that little tirade um, of talking about that. Thinking about the game in terms of positioning and spacing is just, that's never even crossed my mind. And I've been thinking about this game so much more in the past, you know, three or four months, but that's never something that's really crossed my mind. Like I think about position when I get done doing this, then I rotate to the back post. Even if there's somebody in front of me, then I just wait there for my turn. And that's just the thing that I do because that's what you do as a good rocket league player. But like, and I wouldn't say that it happens every single time. Uh, And sometimes I do like miss a challenge or something happens where I end up a little bit, you know, what I would say behind the play when there's still a little bit of pressure on my net and I am waiting for a second to see if some kind of clear makes it out to me so that I can continue the play instead of just immediately rotating back. Uh, But really being conscious of spacing and, and not just thinking about it in the generic sense of rotation, but adding like, okay, where are my teammates and how can I position myself based on where everybody is at right now to be the most effective, not just like, oh, the ball's right here. So the best spot I think is right here, regardless of where my teammates are in that equation as well. So, so that was, that was pretty, uh, a, a very nice way to change my thinking, especially when that's definitely been the weakest point of my game up to this point in my rocket league career is my game sense and understanding of positioning spacing and how to maneuver uh, and when to go and when not to go and how to challenge and when to attempt to touch on the ball. So uh, adding another level to that in terms of how I can make myself a more intelligent rocket league player. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I think the biggest thing people can do in that regard is um, watch your replays and watch it from your teammates perspective and pretend you were your teammate right so like if i was watching a replay in a game that you and i played in i would watch it from your point of view and every time i looked at it and i go why did omer hit that ball i can be like oh crap (laughs) like you know like from my point of view i thought oh this is the most obvious hit i could make live when we were playing the game but in the replay you go back and you see a whole different perspective like oh 
well, because I didn't see him here, I thought I should be here and I did this. And you kind of start to fill in some of those blanks um, to go along with that. I think a little tip that I've given a lot of people that they didn't realize is also be cognizant of where your car is facing. There's a lot of people who like on offense, when they're waiting for a pass, the nose of their car is pointing at the teammate that has the ball. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You want the nose of your car pointing in the direction, the ball, like where you're going to go to try to hit the ball because the, the, and it's a small difference, but think about it this way. If I have the ball on the wall and I hit an infield pass and your nose is pointed at me, you now have to expend time to turn to face to where the ball is actually going to then meet it. And then you're also like adjusting that angle back to like, you know, to get your car in the proper position that you wanted to hit the ball in the first place. Whereas if you were just pointing in the direction like that you were, you know, the where the ball was going to be already, you'd save that fraction of a second, right? And that would allow you to either, you know, wait a second to make sure the ball got hit or to beat a team or to beat an opponent on a challenge. But then the other thing it would do is me as somebody trying to make the pass, if I see that your car is pointing near post, or if I see your car is pointing far post, or, you know, depending on where you are out of the field or something like that, I have an idea of where you're expecting the ball now instead of just trying to hit it and hope that you and I are on the same page, I can lead you with the ball because you and I are on the same page. We're reading, we're reading body language or reading positioning and it's car language, car language. You're going to get it wrong. Like the first few times you do it. And especially if you're solo queuing you're going to get it wrong, but don't let that discourage you because the better you get at it, the, the more subconsciously you'll start being in a better position in the future. And it's just one of those things that like mechanics, you have to learn it by getting it wrong and figuring it out, but don't ignore it. And it's, it makes a world of a difference. Somebody who's ready to receive a pass is a hundred times easier to pass to than somebody who isn't, or if you're not sure if they're ready, it's really hard to figure out where to hit the ball at the speed rocket league is played. And and I would just add to that just as like a, a cherry on top of something that was already phenomenal. Um, practice, like have that awareness of where your teammates are on the field. And even if they might not even be thinking of, that you're going to try and pass the ball to them, just attempt it even anyways. Even if they completely miss it, if they're not ready for it, you know, if if they try and attempt on it and they miss it, especially starting out, just being in the practice of making those kinds of attempts when they work out, everybody's super pumped because the idea of getting a pass when you're solo queuing is just insane. So when they work out, it feels really good. But if it doesn't work out, at least you're getting in the reps of trying to practice that because that's something really hard to practice in free play or even a custom training. So getting in those reps uh, eventually will start to pay off more and more because you'll understand the right time and the wrong time and how to do it. But those, just like you said, Omer, those first times are going to feel really uncomfortable, a bit awkward. They probably won't go very well. And that's how you learn and that's how you get better at things. And, and so don't be shy about trying to figure that aspect of the game out because it really does bring a huge advantage when you can do that effectively on a consistent basis. 
and it gives the defense something to think, something to think about, right? Like if you're just queuing into ranked, it may not matter. But if you're in like one of the 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 leagues that we have, like MLE or RSC or United Rogue or anything like that, there's there's a tendency to know who you know what teams do or what players do. Give if they if people the number of times somebody's been worried, especially even in a ranked game, if I've made a really good pass earlier in the game, the defense respects the pass. They'll they'll play a little bit further back. They'll play a little bit more hesitant because they're waiting for me to make the pass. And suddenly I have, you know, instead of having to make the pass for mid boost, I can now push it, you know, a three quarters of the way up the field and then make the pass. Or I can even put it on the backboard where previously I couldn't. And then I can go steal their corner boost, right? It just opens up. It's again, it, you're taking space by making the defense worry about a bigger space. You're buying yourself more space as a team. So just little things do add up. Like it is, it is, it is sometimes going to be, very frustrating, especially when you hit the ball wrong, when you make a bad pass and the other team booms it out, you know, back up the field or whatever, you'll feel frustrated, but there's only one way to learn. And that is doing like at the mm-hmm. end of the day. So 100% go into casual and do it because no, like what somebody's going to get mad and what rage quit. Ooh, like they'll get replaced <laughs> with somebody new. Like, ooh, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good point. So I want to uh, start winding down. We're just crossing over the uh, one hour mark. And uh, I feel like there's been a lot of good stuff so far. Uh, But I want to do something that I've never done on this podcast before because I haven't really had anybody uh, that's had a lot of experience with me as a player. and, you know, just a couple of days ago, we we had a pretty decent play session together, just as I said earlier. So I'm wondering uh, what kind of feedback you would have for me as as a player uh, of Rocket League based on, you know, those games that we played together. I'm going to use the word panic because that's the easiest way I have to describe it. Sure. And this isn't this is definitely something that I like to say because it it works for a lot more than just you as an individual. It works for a lot of people. They don't realize it. People panic or they they rush on defense. And that's where you get a lot of double commits. It's where you have a lot of cut rotations. It's where you fight over, you know, the same boost that your teammate needed. And that's where trust in in your teammates, especially in threes, is can make a night and day difference. And one thing that, you know, I felt the experience when we were playing together and we were playing much more casually. So it's not like I was like sitting there going, man, I can't believe like this would have happened if he had done this, but it was one of those. There's a lot of times when I'm coming, I rotate a little bit wider back into net because we have, you know, our third hunted was in net or coming out of net to make a challenge, which means he's taking away the near post, right? Like, so the side of the goal that he's closest to or leaving from his car is going to block that angle off. I, as the rotating defender coming in second, I'm not worried about that side of the goal. I'm worried about the far side, the side that I'm rotating into, right? Like, um, and the reason I'm worried about that is because if somebody beats hunted or, you know, your third with a booming shot, they're probably going to beat him to, to the back post, to the, the post further away from, from them. And so if I've over rotated, if I've, come in too fast because I'm like, oh, I need to be guarding the closest post to the to the ball. Now hunted or, you know, our third person and I are covering the exact same angle, which means <laughs> you've effectively, you know, reduced your team numbers by one. You're basically playing three versus two. And I saw that happen with you a few times. 
And so it's just one of those things where kind of as you're coming back on defense, rotating back on defense, or if you're already back on defense, just take a moment, you know, if you need to use the right stick or if you need to come in and out of ball cam, that's usually what I do. I just toggle ball cam on and off real quick or off and on real quick. Um, and you get a sense of where people are time kind of, you want to time your run, right? Like what's the, what's the uh, line in Lord of the Rings? A wizard is never early or late. He arrives precisely when he means to, um, something along those lines. Like that's what you want to be. You don't want to be, you don't want to be there too early because then you're going to give up momentum speed and then therefore have to use boost to get back up to speed. And you Mm -hmm. never want to get there too late because obviously you be scored on by then you want to get there in a way so that when the ball, when the shot is arriving, then you're arriving to come clear it because that's when you're going to come at it at the, you know, you're moving already. So you don't have to pick up speed. You can save whatever, you know, you can make a really great clear with 20 or 25 boosts then instead of most people that like freak out if they have less than 50 boost. Um, and because you're taking a, a wider route when you're curving in, like taking what's called a banana route back into the net, you can see more of the field as you're going for the clear, which now means you have more information. So you can see, okay, I need to hit the ball into the corner or I need to hit the ball towards mid boost, or I can catch the ball or, you know, like all these little things. And it slows the entire game down. Mm-hmm. And so when that starts happening, you, you'll, you'll just inherently start to learn angles more and more. And you know, like I, I, I feel pretty confident when I'm, when a ball gets hit towards my net, I can usually within, you know, uh, uh, within a fraction of a second, figure out if that ball is going to be on target, not on target, and kind of where, if it's going to hit the backboard, kind of where it's going to bounce towards. I may not be mechanically good enough to go hit it every time, but just knowing that little bit of information, it it allows me to cover, you know, an, a bad bounce or my teammate missing an aerial, or if, uh, you know, if, if the other team is uh, setting up a passing play, I just kind of drift my car into the passing lane. And I block the ball before there's even a shot kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you watch a replay or two, you'll kind of get what I'm talking about. It's really hard yeah. to just visualize it. But that is, I think, the biggest thing for you and a lot of people is just there is there is a lot less space or you cover a lot more space than you realize on defense kind of. And so just slow everything down in your head. Don't just because the ball got hit towards your net. Don't throw yourself at it. Because mm-hmm. if your teammate or if somebody was in a better position to clear it, you're just making it, you're basically becoming an extra opponent for your teammate by throwing yourself right. at the ball. So just slow everything down, kind of look at what's happening around you, and you'll see, you'll immediately start to see ways to kind of transition onto offense or um, when there's a danger of a second shot or, you know, like you'll see that, oh, nobody on the other team jumped for this ball. So now you don't have to panic. Like you can save you're if you had let's say 36 boost right and you realize nobody else on the other team is coming for this ball and your teammate's going to just catch it now you can circle back and go take a different boost you can go pick up two or three pennies and now you're over 60 boost already right and it's just like you didn't do anything super like you didn't go out of your way you didn't spend any time you just change your route by a couple of inches and boom you're in a position to go attack so that was the biggest thing is just slow everything down on defense. I think everybody's worried about the ball going in the net. The lower your rank, the less likely the ball is to go in the net, like to be completely like, you know, 
honest about it. People yeah. are people are bad. It's not bad. They're just not they're not as precise with the ball. So you you know, it's like a fluke goal may go in, but that's not the end of the world. The better thing is is you know, to realize that the course of doing this over 100 games, you'll create dozens more goals than you'll actually give up by doing something like that. So that'd be mm-hmm. my biggest advice. Yeah, and I, I I appreciate hearing that because that's actually, I just spent, you know, 45 minutes to an hour last night going over four or five replays, looking at the mistakes that I made, and they pr- were primarily awareness of like, not knowing where my opponents were, not knowing where my teammates were, uh, making a bad challenge on the ball or going for a touch that, you know, you said earlier, uh, you know, people, uh, especially at higher levels, always make very purposeful touches on the ball. And, you know, I counted five to 10 touches or attempts over these games that had no purpose. Or even if I got exactly what I wanted to get on the ball, it would have been completely worthless. Like it, it would not have been uh, proper or moved my team forward in any way. Um, so that I, I definitely appreciate hearing that. And it certainly kind of hits that nail on the head of like, okay, I need to just, I, I get to become a smarter rocket league player. There's so many times I've seen it happen to people where they're coming back on defense and the ball is kind of floating like or like not even floating. It's just driven past them, rolling past them, bouncing past them, whatever. And they they're like, oh, no, that ball is on target. And so they dive and like they're like, I can hit this into the corner. I can hit this to the wall so it doesn't go in the net. And it just bounces right back into the middle of the field and the opponents get like a wide open shot. And then in the replay, you know, you see yourself diving at the ball and your teammate coming from a completely different angle also diving at the same ball. And it's just like in the heat of the moment, I get it, right? Like you had ball cam on, you didn't know where your teammate was. Your teammate was looking at the ball with ball cam on. They didn't know where you were. You guys aren't in comm, so you couldn't have communicated. And that's, that's where I mean it, right? Like just that little bit of awareness, just that little bit of slowing down and just thinking about it. It's like, okay, when I was at midfield, I took, I just toggled ball cam on and off real quick. And I figured out that, okay, teammate B is, you know, on my left side along the wall, picking up the corner boost. He will 100% be in net by the time this ball gets there. You know, like unless he does something like miss the boost completely, which that's a whole different story. But, you know, it's like if I see that happening, I don't dive at that ball. Now he gets either a booming clear or he, you know, controls the ball and starts taking it up the field. But because I didn't throw myself at the net, I was, you know, confident in my teammate there. I had the faith in my teammate to make that clear. I went and instead took a route that allowed me to pick up three pennies, right? So now I have 36 more boosts than I had a moment ago. I'm turning up the field as he's cleared the ball and we're just in a better situation. And it's just, you know, watch, watch 10 replays. If you're, you know, most people that are in, I'd say anything below champ two, watch 10 replays. And I guarantee you'll find one instance where you did that or where two people jumped up for the same ball on the backboard or two people drove up the backboard at the same time. Right. Like, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically took themselves out of the play yeah, And, you know, on, on the flip side of it, like, you know, I say that, uh, that those are the exact things on offense that you should be looking to exploit. If you see two people go up on the backboard, you know, hit it down towards your teammate and you know, as, as a pass or and, and let your teammate hit like a grounding shot, like a, a roller. Right. And that's the hardest shot for somebody to come off the backboard to save because it's the furthest away from them. 
you know, or it's like, it's just little things like that, that it's, it's the game of chess that, you know, that right. You and you and shock were talking about this. Uh, oh, last gosh. I was and just it's... about to say, I just said that last. <laughs> yeah. Well, two weeks ago now. Yeah. But, uh, that is you listen to the show. I did. Um, you know, and so it Thank was just you. one of those like, <laughs> I won't, I shouldn't be so disappointed by that. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, that's exactly what it is. It's you find what you, you take little pieces of information whenever you can get them, whenever you're, you know, I forgot there's, I'm sure many of the pros have said it, but one of Espeon's like tips when he was streaming, when he used to actually stream once a year, um, somebody <laughs> asked him kind of, and he was just like, you know, it's like one of the simplest things to do is once you're lined up for a boost that you're driving at, you can turn ball cam back on. Like there's a lot of people who turn ball cam off un- and drive towards the boost to get it, but they don't turn ball cam back on until they've picked up the boost. And it's like yeah. if you've played over 200 hours, let's just say in the game at this point, the ability to drive in a straight line once you're lined up should not be <laughs> a complicated decision you know, or a, yeah. a maneuver. It should be something that you should be able to handle. So mm-hmm. that's just, those are times cheat, like it, cheat by taking ball cam on and off or using the right stick and gather information. The more you see what's happening, the more information you have, the better off you'll be when you make your, whenever you ultimately make a decision. And that is where, you know, I think you will, you specifically, I think will definitely feel more confident when you're playing because you know I, I nothing i see from you mechanically or like in just pure decision making like on offense is far removed from some of the people that i play with that are consistently you know c3 or low gc it's just hey, a lot of there we go it is a lot of just you know just kind of rushed decision making and yep. that's why i term it panic because yep. you may not feel like you're rushing but it's rushed in the sense that you didn't take in as much information as you could have. Right. Yep. And so that's sure. where I refer to it as rushed decision-making. And I think that is a symptom of not uh, wrongly placed, but wanting to play the game faster and not necessarily having the best idea of what it means to play faster and how to play faster effectively, like with spacing and positioning and things of that nature. I can play faster um, than just like driving fast because yeah, that all, can turn into panic. Yeah. All the cars, you know, max out at supersonic speed. Right. So it's like you can either try to just be faster by jumping sooner and boosting more and getting there faster, or you can take a smarter route and optimize routing is like, it, it, you know, if anybody listening is, you know, watches speed running at all, the game gets beaten the same way, but the speedrunners go back and spend hundreds of hours optimizing routes, finding where they can save a couple of frames, a button press where, you know, they can reduce the RNG in the game. They may, they may take, they may do something that, uh, you know, is not the fastest route for that level, but it allows them to skip another level kind of thing. And it's the same with any sport. Like you can be, and I was not the fastest person, but I would be, when we played football, um, I would be, usually I'd have the other team's fastest cornerback guarding me. And it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with me being the fastest person on the field. I was probably one of the slower wide receivers on the field, 
but it had everything to do with the precision I had in running my routes and the ability for me to, to, to set up a move. Like I could set up like an out route and then break it back in and do it, you know, effectively enough that they wanted somebody faster to recover from a mistake. But Mm -hmm. for me and my quarterback, we didn't need to worry about them recovering because the moment I put I planted my foot to make my move, we both already were reading the exact same thing. We both already knew that I had him beat and yeah. the ball was already on its way. And, you know, same thing in Rocket League. If you take a better route to the ball or you take a, a route that gives you more options, doesn't matter if the defender sees you because you are going to make your decision before they will make their decision. And so now even if they are a 10th of a second faster than you at reacting, you're still react. You've started reacting earlier than them. So you'll be getting to the ball quicker and then you'll suddenly find you're just faster. You didn't change anything else. You didn't learn any new mechanics. You just got faster by being slightly better to the ball. And it's the same thing as like, Everybody can fast aerial. So how do you get faster? Well, you jump sooner. Well, how do you jump sooner? Well, you either guess more or you you read it better. And, you know, the only way you're going to read it better is by maximizing your information. Well, that was already a really good kind of bookend. But uh, in considering starting to wind down the show officially, officially, do you have any final final thoughts for our audience um no i just you know thank you everyone for for listening um thank you for having me on i hope everyone that's you know listening and that's chasing grand champ for themselves keep at it like don't lose don't don't become discouraged losses happen if you're good enough to get to a rank you're good enough to get back to the rank so don't worry if you derank a bunch um you know and come out to to find a local scene go make you know go make friends like chicago i think san diego has some stuff boston has some stuff indianapolis indianapolis has some stuff uh texas i think is still doing things Uh, philadelphia used to i'm not sure if they are like this is all obviously u.s cities i don't really know much about europe but you know go go to these events um all of the online uh, communities that are doing things um community like you know nightly or weekly events sorry like go be a part of them because they're the best way if you want to get better playing consistently is a great way to do it but playing playing in an atmosphere of a tournament is is a little bit it you can focus a little bit more than in ranked because ranked is just kind of you just queue the next game you just queue the next game but in a tournament, you have a moment to kind of sit between games and then especially between series as you advance where you can kind of slow down and look at things. And more often than not, the teams you're playing against in tournaments are better organized than solo queuing, you know. And so I would recommend people do those things, not just because, you know, more tournaments means I get to do more with the community and more for the community, but because it helps everyone get better. And more than that, just, you know, if you if you have a passion for this game and want to get better, there's resources go to, um, you know, the, the subreddit I'm blanking on the name right now, the coaching subreddit or wherever and ask, listen to this, you know, like reach out to Tom on social media, ask him questions. He's clearly 
you know, gotten a lot of people that know their stuff here talking, not, not, not reference to me, um, you know, previous guests, oh, stop. obviously. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> but it's like, keep at it. Like, keep your confidence high. Losses come, wins come. Don't worry about that as much as you worry about just having fun and focusing on the one or two things you want to improve on. And don't, don't ever get discouraged. Like, it doesn't, no one's going to care. You can get to GC in 500 hours or you can get to GC in 5,000 hours. No one ever asks how many hours it took you to get to GC in a ranked game, right? Once you get to GC, all they see is that, okay, you are GC, or they see the title if you're using it or whatever, but don't worry about getting there as fast as someone else, or if your friend gets there faster than you, just keep at it and you'll get there. Like it is, you get in what you, you get out of it, what you put into it. So just keep putting in the effort. Nice. Well, for somebody that said no, those were some very good final thoughts. Uh, where can, uh, if you would like, where can people find you out on the internet? Uh, like, uh, like you said, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, a content creator or anything like that, but I know you do have some things out there on the internet if you would like to throw them out. Um, mostly I guess Twitter. I'm at Twitter at super Omario bro. That's O-M-A-R-A-R-I-O. Not to be confused with the way I spell my name. I'm sorry for everyone that I drive crazy with that um but so everybody knows me as omer for those that don't get it like my real name is omer pretty much everyone that knows me calls me omer in every environment i go by omer but my tag is super omario right and and that throws people off because they'll be like super omario or then they'll call me omar (laughs) instead of omer because well it it must be omar because it's short for omario and it's like I don't take offense to it, but I do confuse people with it. And so I apologize. But yeah, Twitter, Super Omario Bro. Um, Twitch, if you want to follow me, I'll stream once every eight months. I'm on that Espeon plan. Um, <laughs> is that Super Omario? Twitch.tv slash Super Omario. And hey, thanks for listening. And please take some time to follow the link or find him on Twitter and thank him for doing such a great job. Because when I asked him, the first thing I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was to the it was it was like, really? Or why would you <laughs> want why would you want to have me on the show? And I, I think uh, based on what we have just talked about is a, a very good example of why I thought you would be a, a perfect person for the show. And I don't want to hear otherwise because I'm very uh, grateful to have you. And uh, I think it turned out exactly as I expected it to, which is awesome. Um, so before we uh, officially call it closed, of course, you can find me at I Wanted Just Tom on Twitter. Uh, always feel free to hit me up there. Uh, also, I'm starting to post more videos about my own personal journey, journey and learnings and what I'm thinking about and what I'm practicing on YouTube for Rocket League. Uh, so I will link that as well. You can also search I Wanted Just Tom on YouTube to find those. I greatly appreciate that. Um, really looking forward to a very exciting 2020. And just as I said at the beginning of this show, I think this is a great start to 2020. Uh, so Omer, thank you so much for getting us started off on the right foot. Uh, that's really awesome. And last thing, you can, of course, go to uh, anchor.fm slash chasing GC and leave a voice message for any feedback or any thoughts that you have on the show or any questions that you might have for a future show. 
We always love hearing those. And Omer, uh, do you have any question that you would like to throw out to the audience? I, not at the moment. <laughs> if I do, I'll make sure to download the Anchor app, call in and ask it so you can use it in a future episode. There you go. You can use it for a future episode. I will take that. I always love those kinds of plugs. So one last time, uh, you did a great job. I'm so happy that I took that risk and stepped out on the ledge to ask you to be on the show. Uh, so grateful to start off 2020 so well. That's all. Thank you so much. This podcast is officially over.